Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and we're verses 22, 23, and 24. We started a new series called Move That Mountain, and I'm telling you, I know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit put on my heart and said, you have to talk on faith. There's something about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. Hey, let me tell you a funny story (laughs) this week that happened to me. Uh, You know, I I got home uh, after work, and I was, uh, I got home, and and, uh, I noticed that the dishwasher was uh, full of dishes, you know, and and so it hadn't been emptied yet. And so I came in, and I mean, it was full of dishes, like so much to the place where I couldn't find a fork or a spoon or things like that. They were all in the dishwasher. So so I thought, you know, and Tiffany was running around and with the kids and doing all kind of different things. And I thought, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop. I know I'm busy right now. I, I was going on to something else. I said, I'm just going to stop, empty that whole dishwasher. Sometimes I don't empty the dishwasher. I'll just say this in front of everybody uh, as well. Uh, because Tiffany likes you to put everything in the right place. And I don't always get things in the right place. I get them out of the dishwasher and I get them back in the places that I feel are appropriate, but sometimes they're inappropriate, okay, they're in the wrong places, she says, I do just as much work re-putting them in the right place, so I said, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to, just like the Bible says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, I'm just going to be quiet about it, I'm going to empty this dishwasher, empty the whole dishwasher, I said, Lord, show me, you know, where it all goes, I don't know if he showed me, but I did get them all in the right place, I closed the thing back up, and I felt good, I thought, okay, you know, bless my wife today. I, not that she's the only one who does that. We all do that. But I'm saying at the time I knew she was going to do that. So I go and I'm walking back around the house and I'm doing the things. And Tiffany comes up to me. And she goes, David, did you empty the dishwasher? You know, and I had a little bit of pride. I was like, well, I don't want to take my reward away. But yeah, I did it. <laughs> she said, well, why? All of those dishes were dirty. I didn't even, I didn't even have, I said, what? I had a little, see, pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I fell right there. I had to go back. You talk about trying to get them in the right place, try to get them back out of the cupboard, back into the dishwasher. I mean, I think I had two loads of dish, dishes by the time just to make sure. So um, anyway, I can't win for losing when it comes to that. I shouldn't speak that. I just need more help from the Lord on that. So baby, I tried. I appreciate your patience. Okay. Hey, uh, Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11. What does that have to do with the message today? Well, we'll see. Okay. Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. Jesus was hungry one morning and he walked by and he saw the, this tree from afar off and it had leaves. So he took this whole journey with his disciples, went over to it and it was like uh, the Krispy Kreme donut sign that was on, the hot sign. And they went up and they said, oh, someone accidentally turned on the sign. There's not really hot donuts, right? Like Jesus was mad. So what did he do? He cursed the tree. He says, let no one eat fruit of you ever again, right? And he walked away, and the next day they came by, and Peter looked over at him, and he said, hey, look at master. He said, the fig tree which you curse, it's dried up from the roots. So in other words, the day he spoke to it, 
the Bible calls it cursing. Sometimes we can curse things just by speaking negative of it. He, he spoke to it, and there was no effect. See, a lot of times just because you speak something and you don't see any effect and you think your words don't matter, Jesus spoke something, and it wasn't until the next day that they saw that there was an effect that was on it. Jesus looked back at him, and he says in verse 22, Jesus answered back to Peter, and he said, have faith in God. Or we know in other translations it could say, have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. God was the first one in, in Hebrews chapter 11 that had faith. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the words of God so that the things we see weren't made of things which are visible, right? So God had faith. He's saying in here, I, I'm glad that you noticed the miracle that I did because we tend to, as people, f find people who do miracles and we chase them down and we say, oh, could you do a miracle? Even Jesus, remember, he said, I'm not going to show you a sign. I know you're seeking a sign. I'm not going to show you a sign except the sign of Jonah. Like, I'll tell you something that happened. But see, the, the Lord is not just trying to impress us with miracles. I want you to notice, though he does miracles in our lives, Jesus looked back when they said, look at what happened when you spoke your faith. And Jesus looked at them and said, had faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, what is he saying? Anybody could do this. In fact, not just a tree, but a mountain. That's why we call it move, this, move that mountain. Anyone, he says, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not notice doubt in his heart, but believes that the things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, Whatever things you ask, can somebody say the word whatever? Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you might have them. Is that what it says? No, it says and you will have them. See, it doesn't sound like here like Jesus is trying to teach that God's trying to hold back your prayers. It sounds like in here the Lord's trying to get us to believe, us to have faith. Us to speak to mountains. Now, I want, I want you to notice in verse 23, it wasn't about prayer. It was about speaking to the situation. But verse 24 says whatever you ask when you pray. Verse 23 is about declaring faith. Verse 24 is about praying to the Lord. Which one's important? They're both important. Some things in life you don't even need to pray about. You just need to speak to it. You need to speak to the situation and say, stop in the name of Jesus. When there was wind and waves, did Jesus pray about it? No, he said, peace, be still. Who did he say it to? To the wind and the waves. There are some things in life that you're going to have to just, you're going to say, everything's prayer. Well, everything's not prayer. Some things you speak to with your faith in the Lord. Oh, so are you trying to say it's my faith that affects things? Yes, now, it's God's power that does it. You don't have power. You have authority. There's a difference between power and authority, right? The police officer can stand on the corner when the lights are out, and he could say, stop, go, go. He doesn't have power over that car. The car could come and run him over. But he has authority on behalf of the whole police department to stop and say, if you don't stop, we have a whole police force that can come and stop you right? So there's a power and authority. We have authority in the name of Jesus, so we need to use our authority to speak to the mountain. I want you to also notice that Jesus never said, pray for God to speak to the mountain. 
The reason we say that is because we don't see ourselves speaking to the mountain. So we're like, well, God, I know you can move mountains. He can move mountains, but God knows you can move mountains too. I said, you can move mountains too. In fact, who taught that? Jesus did. Jesus taught, you sh- not only could you, you should move mountains. Why are you asking God to do something that he's given you power to do, right? I mean, I mean, it, it, I, my kids grew up, right, and, but at a certain age, they would, they would come in and say, Mom, I really want a sandwich. And at some age, my mom would, uh, or, or Tiffany would say, their mom would say, uh, the, all the food's in the refrigerator. You make the sandwich, right? What are they saying? You're at an age. I've made you sandwiches for like 15 years or 14 years or 12 years or whatever the case may be. Maybe 18 years. Okay. (laughs) I made you sandwiches for a long time. At this point, you should be making your own sandwiches. Do you know, I know that we ask God to do some things in prayer that he wants. He says, you should be doing it by now. You should be believing by now. You should tell the mountain to move by now. Why are you asking me to do it? And that's even with these disciples. Remember, Jesus would say, how long must I be with you? Like, can't you do it? Can't you take care of it? And we're asking God to do it. And then saying God wouldn't do it. Because he gave you, like we would say to our kids, right? You have hands and feet. And Jesus would say, you have faith. You move the mountain. You have words. You move the mountains. So I want you to notice here in verse 23, verse 23, it says, uh, it says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Where is doubt in this verse? Where is doubt found? It's found in the heart. It's found in the heart. He says, but believes, where is believing found? It's found in the heart. He says, you say and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe. Where is faith found? Faith is found in your heart. Doesn't say it was found in your head. Says it was found in your heart, right? So he says, does not doubt in his heart. Doubt is found in the heart. Faith is found in the heart. Uh, In fact, Jesus says he'll have whatever he says, or he says right here, you'll have whatever he says. Notice, he will have whatever he says. Jesus taught us as believers that we can have whatever we say, but we go around saying whatever we have. We go around telling the Lord, this is all I have. This is all there is. Lord, this is my problem. Lord, this is my situation. The Lord didn't say you, can ha- you, you should say what you have. It said you, you can have what you say. In fact, the feeding of the 5,000, what did he do? He said, what do we have? See, God doesn't need a lot. His supernatural added to very little can, can have a full supply to feed 5,000 plus. But he does need something to work with, right? So what did he say? What do we have? And he didn't take that bread and lift it up to the Father and say, we don't have much. Father, we have nothing. Is that what he said? But that's what, that's what a religious prayer sounds like. I just have not, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Guess what he would have got? Nothing. What did he do? The Bible says he took it and he lifted it up and he blessed it. Bless the little you do have. Don't curse what you have. Sometimes God will, in fact, every time God asks you to do something, he's going to ask you to do something beyond what you have. And and he's going to ask you to use what you have to do it. So you take what you have and what do you do? Bless it. Lord, I bless you for what I do have. I don't have everything. I don't have the, in fact, God won't, 
God will ask you to do something beyond what you have so that he can add what he has to what you have and it makes it more than enough. It's called the faith gap. It's the gap that makes up the difference between what you have and the, and the miracle. But I don't have what it takes. He knew that when he asked you to do it. In fact, if you do have what it takes, you're probably not hearing enough because God always asks us to step out in faith. What is faith? It means there's a gap in between what you have and the answer, right? So he says here, look at it again, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He says, for assuredly I say to you, what does it mean? It means I'm about to tell you something for sure. He says, whoever says to this mountain be removed and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he says the things that he says, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Say it with me. He will have whatever he says. Jesus said you will have whatever you say. Jesus said you will have whatever you say. Do you believe that? Well, then why are we saying, oh, I'm dying over this situation. Oh, I'm, I'm, the cold's coming around and it gets me every year. Why are we saying that? And guess what? It does. You've backed up your faith. You got what you said. Right? Oh, the flu's coming around. It gets me every year. And so what happens? It gets you every year. You used your faith to get it, in fact. Faith just doesn't work in the, in the, in the good. Faith works for the bad, too. Oh, every time I get around that person, I just get angry. And guess what? You do. They can come around. In fact, you could think you heard their voice and you start getting angry. Why? Because you just spoke that you're going to get angry. Jesus said, whatever you say and believe in your heart, you'll have it. If someone, if Jesus Christ stood on this stage today and told you, everything you speak this week out of your mouth, you're going to get do you think you'd, you'd change the way you speak sometimes? You think you'd be more intentional about the way you speak? Oh, that speaking faith and this stuff. You've got to watch who you're talking about. Jesus is the one who introduced this. Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, introduced this, and this is how he's decided. If we want to be disciples and followers of the Lord, one of the first things you have to do is watch what you believe and watch what you say. Watch what you believe and watch what you say. Why? It really matters. It really does matter. Well, I thought that faith was just believing. In fact, I, I heard someone uh, uh, teach it. I thought faith was just believing. Faith is just believing, right? What's the whole thing about confession and saying? Well, isn't faith just believing? Well, it's true. Faith is about just believing, but you say what you believe, too. You'll speak what you believe too. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew chapter 12, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. I mean, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth, right? Someone, he made me mad. Every time he makes me mad. No, he didn't make you mad. What Mad was in you, and he came and bumped you, and mad came out. Right, you take a glass and you fill up the glass with orange juice all the way from the top and you bump the glass, what comes out? Orange juice. You didn't say he made orange juice. No, he just bumped you and orange juice came out. Right? Man, you know, someone bumps you and you cuss. Ugh, makes me cuss. He didn't make you cuss. Cussing was in you. Right? He, cussing was in you and what happened? Cussing came out. Whatever you're full of is going to come out in the time of testing. 
If you're full of fear, I just get afraid every time. No, that situation tested you and fear came out. Whatever's in you will come out at the point of testing. Whatever's in you will come out at the point of testing. I thought it was just about believing. Well, <coughs> he said here, uh, he said here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because a good man, out of the good treasure, this is Matthew twelve thirty four, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Notice, you don't bring things out of your heart that aren't there. If you have mess in your heart, when you have a situation, mess is going to come out. Right? If you have good in your heart, if you have praise in your heart and a situation hits you, what do you say? Praise God. You say, man, I'm sure praising a lot today. <laughs> Why? Because I'm full of praise. Let me just tell you, you're full of something. Every one of us, we're full of something. You're full of something. And you say the things that you believe. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also, therefore, believe and we think. We believe or and speak. We believe and we speak. You speak what you believe. Somebody just says, well, I'm just going to say my mind. Let me tell you what say. Say, I'm going to say what God says. That's the way to be successful in a spiritual life is say what God says. Well, what about all the other stuff? Don't say it. It's with the heart you believe, and whatever comes out of your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. It's with the heart. Faith is in the heart. In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it says, for with the heart, one believes. With the heart. Faith comes out of the heart. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So what is the equation of faith? How do you find if you're in faith or not? Here's how you find. Faith is in your mouth, and faith is in your heart. Faith can't just be in your heart. And faith can't just be in your mouth. I, have you been in a situation where it was just in your heart? Yeah. Well, I believe, I just don't. But I'm, I'm just, yeah. Or I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, and you don't any more believe it than you, right? But it's believing and speaking. That's what the power of God is. He says, whoever says to this mountain be removed and does not doubt in his heart, read it with me, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, read it with me, he will have whatever he says. Read it with me. He will have whatever he says. Read it one more time. He will have whatever he says. Say, say it over your own life. I will have whatever I say. You have to say it and you have to believe it and that's what you're going to get. In fact, everything you have right now is a result of you saying and believing. You got what you said. You know what it does? It takes the victim mentality out of it. Well, I guess I'm just a victim. Yeah, you're a victim to your own mouth. You're a victim to your own words. You're a victim to what you, in fact, let me ask you, is your eternal life, is it based on what you say? No, listen, is your eternity based on what you say about Jesus? Now, did you provide your own eternity? No. But what you did was you accessed your own eternity by your own words and by your own believing. For with the heart one believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It, salvation could not have happened without your believing. And salvation could not have happened without your words. It needed both. 
But everything we receive from God, we receive this way. Everything we receive from God, we receive this way. We receive by believing and by speaking. We receive by believing and by speaking. We don't want to become victims of our own mouth. Now it says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. I want you to notice. Whatever things you ask, listen, when you pray, believe you receive them. And you will have them. Listen, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them. Listen, and you will have them. When do you believe you receive them? When you pray. When do you receive the answer to what you're praying about? When you pray. And when will you see the results of that? You will have them in the future. So if we're saying, I'll believe it when I see it, then we'll never see it. Because Jesus said here, you have to believe it to see it. Not, I'll believe it when I see it. What comes first? Believing or seeing? Believing. In fact, Mark chapter 16. These signs will follow them who believe. Did the signs come first or the believing first? He didn't say The believing will come when you see the signs. What did he say? He said the signs will follow your believing. So if you don't believe, then do you see the signs? So if you want to see the signs, what do you have to do? You have to believe first. And how do you know you're in faith? Faith is found in two places. Where? In your heart and in your mouth. It says in Romans chapter chapter, uh, 10, Romans chapter uh, 10. 9 and 10, uh, chapter 9, chapter 10, excuse me. It says, with the heart one believes, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. He says, the word is not nigh you. He says a couple of verses before that, I believe in verse 8. He says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we speak. What is he saying? You have to speak God's word. You have to believe God's word. That's the only way to get supernatural to hit your natural you got to believe what God says about the situation. Somebody say amen. So prayer, prayer equals asking and receiving when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. The things you receive in private are the things you're going to see the result of in public. If you're a person that always needs to be in public to pray, then you're a person that's going to miss out. The private prayers, the private getting things settled in your heart privately is where you're going to see the public rewards. Isn't that what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6? He says, but when you pray, go into your room. When you shut the door, pray to your Father who sees in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So where are we supposed to pray? In secret. And where are the rewards? Openly. By the way, it's the same thing with giving. It's the same thing with giving. If you always have to be someone who people see you're giving, he said two verses uh, before that. 
He says in uh, 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 Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, he says, but when you do your charitable deeds, do, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand was doing, that your charitable me- deed may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The things we receive in private will be seen in public. People love public rewards. But if you love public rewards, you're going to have to have a private prayer time with God. Not only a private prayer time with God, but you're going to have to receive in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes people can pray night and day and they're, and they're in fear. They're in fear. Night and day. I just cried out. I'm in, I'm in fear. He didn't say how many times you, uh, how much snot and how many uh, Kleenex boxes you can fill up and how loud you scream. No, what did he say? He said it's how much you believe. And how much you receive. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive. In prayer, we're supposed to get things settled. If things aren't settled in your life, let me say it. If things aren't settled in your life, you have to settle them in prayer. If you don't have things settled in your life, you have to settle them in the presence of God. In prayer, with the word of God in your mouth. Believing, settling things in the spirit. It works. It works Believe you receive and you will have. Believe you receive and you will have. Now I want you to look at James. James chapter 1 verse 5. I know that somebody might think right now, you know, I've already heard this stuff about faith. I've already, you know, eaten this meal, so to speak. Well, let me ask you have, you, have you ever eaten a salad before? Yeah? Do you think you'll ever eat one again? Have you ever eaten a steak before? You think you'll ever eat one again? Yeah. You know, the word of God is spiritual food. You don't eat it to gain something mentally. You eat it to fill your heart up with faith, to believe. If you're malnourished physically, you begin to eat things that are going to nourish your body. If you're malnourished with faith, spiritually, you have to eat the word of God until you have faith in your heart and believe, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So James Chapter 1, we're talking about believe you receive it and you will have it. James chapter 1 verse 5, it says, if any of you, read this with me, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Stop right there. If any of you lacks wisdom, you ask of God. What is he saying? If you need something from God, if you need wisdom, pray. Don't let someone else ask of God for you. Let me tell you, don't ask someone else to do something for you in prayer that you haven't already done yourself. Don't ask others to pray for things you haven't prayed for. In fact, James 5, 7 says, is any of you suffering? You know, it's right before, let him call for the elders of the church, let him anoint him with oil, and then uh, uh, bear your burden, or, you know, confess your faults to one another, pray for one another. But the scripture before those two scriptures in James 5, 7, it says, is any of you suffering? Let him pray. (laughs) In other words, your prayers, you should pray about things long before you ever ask someone else to pray about it. If your first line, here's how you know where your faith is. If, If when you hit a situation, if your first thought is I need to call someone else to pray about it. Something's wrong about that. If, let me just tell you, if I'm hungry and my first thought is I need to call Tiffany to cook me a meal, ladies, is something wrong with that? Now, does that mean she's never going to cook me a meal? Well, of course she is. She'll cook me a meal. She said maybe after today, yeah. Of course she'll cook me a meal. But if I'm hungry and the first thing I do 
is say, I need to call mama to cook me a meal. If, you have, if you're suffering and, you, and the first thing you do is call someone else to pray, grow up. Grow up. If you're suffering, pray. Well, and then other people get on the ditch on this side. See, sometimes I think we get in the ditch on this side or we get on the ditch on this side. We get on the ditch on this side and say, that's right, I'll just pray. I don't even need anybody else. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says if you're suffering, you pray about it. But it says, it goes, I'm not, I'm not teaching on that today. But it says if this burden gets under you and it's not working and things are happening and you prayed about it and you need some help, if you're sick... Call for the elders of the church and let them pray and agree with you. And if you're, uh, uh, and confess your faults to one another, these aren't just, uh, I'm, I tripped and I'm suffering and I, I bandaged my knee. This is, I am, if, if any of you um, confess your faults, these are things that you haven't been able to deal with or get over. Bring it to someone else. That's why we have small groups. So I'm in a small group. We have small groups on Friday. And we come in and we'll confess our faults to one another. And we'll pray for one another. And I see healing going on. In every single Friday, I'll see healing going on in that. Why? Because we believe that scripturally. But, but if that were the place where I'm like, man, I'm suffering. Can't wait till Friday. Somebody tell me. Grow up. Yeah. Grow up. Yeah. So what did he say here in James 1? Is anyone, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. Sometimes people will come and will say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And I'll say, for what? And they'll say, I need wisdom. And I'll say, can I ask you a question? Have you prayed about it? Well, in fact, let me just stop there. I was on the phone a few months ago, and there was a direction for the church that I needed to pray about. And it was a big direction for the church. And there was a spiritual leader that I was on the phone with, and uh, he called me up, and I was talking to him, and it was really good. And he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm doing well. And he said, um, is there something you're praying about right now? I said, yeah, yeah. Is there something you're burdened about right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's going on? I said, hey, I just need to, I need to tell you. I, I need wisdom concerning this. And I said, would you pray about this? And right as I said it to him, in my heart, in my heart, the Holy Spirit said, you haven't even prayed about it. I haven't even asked the Lord for wisdom. I've been burdened for this for days, 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 days. And the weight, how many know the longer it gets, the weight just gets heavier sometimes. It doesn't get lighter, right? And what did I do? I got to the place where I said, will you pray about it? And right in the middle of my words, I said, will you pray about it? He said, yeah, I'll pray about it. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, uh, don't, you don't need to pray about it. Don't worry about it. And he said, what? What's going on? I said, I haven't even prayed about it yet. I said, you know, let me pray about it. The Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you need, get your own wisdom. You got your direct access to God. You need wisdom, get it from God. Let him ask of God. Somebody say, let him ask of God. If you need wisdom, you can ask of God, and God will give you wisdom. Well, he hasn't. I don't know why he's not. You better stop those words. Right? What, do you, what should you say? Here's what I pray when I need wisdom now. I say, Father, I need wisdom concerning such and such, and I pray directly about it. I need wisdom concerning this and this, and I receive your wisdom by faith now in Jesus' name. Now, half the time, I don't know, any, I don't know anything more about what to do about it than when I started. 
But where did I receive the, the wisdom? I received it in the spirit. I say, I receive wisdom, so I'm going to know what to do. I know exactly what to do. And sometimes it's not even an hour. And all of a sudden, the answer popped up. When I stop, Half the time, it's when I stopped worrying about it. When I stopped thinking about it, the wisdom came to me, and I just knew what to do. Didn't hear a voice. Didn't, I just knew. I just knew what to do. Knew exactly what to do. Why? Because I received it. I received something. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you Believe you do receive and you will have. Believe you do receive and you will have. James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Don't just ask others to pray. Um, By the way, James 4 said you have not because. Sometimes the reason why we're asking someone else to pray for us is because we're not asking. You have not because you ask not. And before that he said you fight and quarrel. Because you have not, because you ask not. You fight and quarrel because you're not getting the things other people are getting, and you're not getting the things other people are getting because you're not even asking God for it. Or you've stopped asking God. Why? Because you stopped believing. Why? Because the enemy, read Mark chapter 4, I won't get into that right now, but Mark chapter 4, the enemy through, as soon as the seed was sown, he either took it off the ground or tribulation or persecution or cares of the world or deceitfulness or riches or the desires for other things entering in choked the word and the word became unfruitful so it couldn't produce faith anymore. So the enemy somehow through natural things, through tangible things, through the things that are on our schedules, he used those things to choke out the word. And what happened? The word didn't have any fruit and so we stopped praying because we don't believe anymore. And when we don't pray and we don't believe anymore, we get the fruit of not praying and not believing and we go downhill instead of uphill. Okay. He says, let him ask of God. Notice this. Who might give to all liberally? Who gives to some liberally? No. Who gives to what? Read it with me. Who gives to all? Hey, are you into this? Let me, let me tell you why. This is your life. This is my life. This isn't just some sermon. This sermon, that was a good sermon, Pastor. No, no, no. It's not just some sermon. This is our life. What did he say? Let him ask, read it with me. Let him ask in faith who gives to all liberally. What does he mean? God's not a cheapskate. He's not trying to. He says, and without reproach, he's not going to make you feel bad about it. He says, without reproach, and it will be given him. He says, it will be given him. Um. Uh, 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 oh, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who, uh, where am I, verse, verse uh, let him ask, there we go. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given him. Somebody say it will be given him. You ask and it will be given to you. God's not trying to hold back prayer. God's trying to get your prayers answered. God's trying to answer your prayers. But there's a way to do it. First of all, you find his will. I'm not saying you just pray anything right? I'm not going to pray for some ridiculous thing, right? Like, like, you know, the example where a guy comes up and he says, I want you to pray for me, pray for me, pastor. I want you to pray for, I, I, I really like Sally. I want you to pray for that. I can be with Sally. Say, Sally, who's Sally? That's that girl over there, you know, sudden judge. I thought you were married to Sue. I am, but I pray for Sally. Well, God's not going to answer that prayer. He's going to answer prayers according to his word. 
So I'm not talking about some mess that you just come grab something out of the air. I'm talking about finding the will of God, finding the word of God, and asking those things. Asking what the Lord already wills for your life. Somebody give a big hearty amen. But let him ask in faith. So let him ask in faith. So prayer changes things, right? Prayer changes things, right? No. It does. But believing prayer changes things. Prayer doesn't change things. You could pray and pray and pray and pray and not believe, and it won't do you any good. You might as well just sing nursery rhymes. Doesn't do you any good. You could feel better about yourself. Believing prayer is what matters. In fact, look down to verse 6. It says, but let him, read with me, let him ask in faith with no doubting. Would you read with me? Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose, read it with me, let not that man suppose he will receive any. Not only will you not get wisdom, you won't get anything. Let me ask you, did this man pray? Yeah. And did he receive? No. Let me ask you, did he receive anything from the Lord? No. But did he pray? Right, he prayed. What if he would have prayed again the same way? Would he have received anything? No. It's not the quantity of prayer. It's not praying. Prayer changes things, brother. That's not true. Believing prayer changes things. Believing prayer changes things. I pray night and day and it doesn't work. Well, you got to add some believing into the mix. It says in Hebrews chapter 3 at the very last verse, they could not enter into the land God promised them because of unbelief. They didn't mix faith with, unbe- with belief. They didn't believe. So they couldn't enter into the promised land. And every one of you today have a promised land. Every one of you have something that God's called you to. But you won't step into it without believing. And you won't step into it unless you step into it with your heart and with your mouth. Somebody say Amen. It's true. So prayer changes things. Well, let him ask in faith with no doubting. Notice he said, ask in faith, no doubting. Well, where's the doubt? It's in the heart. He who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. He's double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So prayer plus a double-minded heart, prayer plus a double-minded, a double-minded person is no answer. So it's not just prayer. Prayer Plus faith and believing God equals the answer, according to the word. Prayer plus believing equals answers. Prayer alone doesn't change things. Prayer alone does not change things. Believing prayer changes things. The prayer of faith changes things. Double-minded man is a man who has two minds. We would call him bipolar, (laughs) crazy, schizophrenic. Multiple minds. They're thinking two thoughts at the same time. Double-minded. Let not that man think he'll receive. By the way, I'm not talking about the condition. If somebody has that condition, I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying it's like thinking two different thoughts at the same time. You're double-minded and you're unstable in all of your ways. You have two minds. Double-minded. You're divided. Have you ever been in prayer and you walk out of prayer and you're divided? You're divided, you, you, you're believing God for one thing, but you're divided, something else is hitting you, something else. You know, some people just live divided. They can't even make a decision shopping for something. They go to shop for something and they go, I don't know if I want this or this. Dinner, 
I don't know what I want for dinner. I don't know if I want this or if I want this. If I want this or this. And, you know, you're just like, sister, you're going to eat, brother, you're going to eat dinner tomorrow. Like, pick one of them, pick the other one tomorrow. What's the big deal? Right? Right? I don't know what to wear. I don't know what to wear. So you take an hour. No, I don't know what to wear. Do I wear this or do I wear that? Uh, here, here's, here, this will help you. Wear this today. Wear that tomorrow. But I can't remember if I wear uh, People don't care. People don't care if they saw you in this yesterday. Now, if you wear the same thing for a week and a half, they'll start noticing. They don't care if you wore the same thing last Sunday as you wore this Sunday. They don't care. They'll say, they'll say again, you look nice. Again. <laughs> you still look nice. <laughs> right? They don't care. But some people are so double-minded. In fact, some people will make decisions. I don't know whether to buy this car or whether to buy that car. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Here's what to do. Get in faith because that mindset will carry over into all the other areas of your life. Believe you receive. I mean down to do I buy, Lord, do I buy this kind of milk or this kind of milk, right? Which kind do I buy? Stop, say, Lord, I receive your wisdom for it right now in Jesus' name and pick a milk. Put it in your shopping cart and go down the road. And then you know what? If it's the wrong one, you'll get a check in your heart. Let me say this. If it's the wrong one and the Lord really cares, you'll get a check in your heart. Right? But some people, they spend all this time. I finally got my car. Now I don't even like my car. I don't even like it because I don't know if I bought the wrong one. Maybe I bought it by the... You can't even enjoy it after you made the decision. You can't. If you're double-minded, even when you get the answer, you can't enjoy it. Some people are double-minded about their marriage. I've been praying for a maid. been praying for a maid. And then you get in your marriage, right? And you get a year into it and you realize it's not like the movies. Well, it's not like the good movies. There are some bad movies too. Like I could think of some movies it's like. <laughs> right? But it's not like the movies. And so what do you do? You get in and a lot of marriages aren't good. Let me tell you why. Double-mindedness. Should I have married them? Listen. If you swore a covenant before the Lord, you should have married them. Just move forward. Because if you're questioning for the next months and weeks and years, you won't even enjoy your marriage. Right? Should we have had kids? We had them a little too close together. Oh, we tried too hard. Oh, we're... And now you have your kids and you can't even enjoy the kids you have. Right? See, you won't even enjoy the blessings of God if, you, if you're double-minded. Whether you get the answer or you don't get the answer. Let me tell you what to do. Thank God for what you have right now. Be content with the things you have right now. Amen? Don't be double-minded. Be single-minded. Thank the Lord for what you have. Somebody say amen today. There's a contrast between with Mark chapter 24 where he says, see, let me say this. Double-minded holds back receiving and you'll also never enjoy what you have. Hindsight is always 20-20, but you, you have to own your choices. Let me just end with this because I, I have like three more messages today, but I'll just save you from them, okay? I think we got something today. Let me just say something to you today. Um, I remember I learned this from my brother, my brother Jerry, man of God pastor. And um, I remember we would be, you know, we were at a church and 
Our church was real small, and then it grew up into where it was a large, large church. And we, I was in on the, you know, senior leader team, executive team, and we would pray about major decisions, big decisions, sometimes multi-million dollar decisions, and buildings. Very often, there would be opportunities that would come up. We'd pray about it, and every once in a while, a decision wouldn't come out the way we thought it was it was going to, like you prayed about it, you received wisdom, and you moved down the road, and you got into it, and, and, and right then, around the table sometimes, people would begin to question and say, well, was that of God? Did we miss it? Was that not of God? And he'd say, well, let's just stop and pray again. I mean, we're six months later, but let's stop and pray about it. Stop and pray about it. He said, well, I don't, you know, I don't get anything. See, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We can go back and doubt our decisions. He said here, and I, I'd hear him say this multiple times, and I remember this about us, about my life, about our church. I remember this many times, but it was a lesson that I learned. He said, when I was facing, when we were facing the decisions, did we stop and ask the Lord what to do? I said, we did. And did we all receive wisdom on what to do? And did we all agree that that was the thing we should do? And I'd stop and go, yeah, I remember really believing that was the Lord. He'd say, well, then we have nothing to regret. Because the point is not just are you getting the results you want. The results are did you obey God? Did you receive wisdom? When you prayed about it, when you prayed about marriage, you may feel like you're in a relationship that you're like, man, I don't know if this is going to Let me just tell you, it's going to work. Quit doubting it. Quit being double-minded about it. The things that you have made decisions, if you've prayed about it, asked the Lord, done your very best, own it. Own it. Be in faith about it. And I'll tell you what happens. When you begin to be in faith about it, you begin to have joy over it. I remember uh, the one particular situation that we prayed about was there was a, a, a historic building in uh, in uh, Anaheim, California. You know where Disney is, Disneyland, in Anaheim. And it was a beautiful building. Disney used to use it and things. And it was a, it was a, just a beautiful building. And it, I, we really believed the Lord wanted us to have that building. So we got into the building, and it took a lot of uh, uh, applying for permits to get parking to get into it because they didn't want a church to get into that building. They didn't want a church. They wanted that building for other reasons, okay? So they would block the parking. Well, you couldn't really have a church there without parking. And we got into it, and we prayed it through, and it opened up where we got parking for the building. Well, we fixed up the whole uh, area. I mean, we spent a lot of time and money and effort and vision and fixed the whole thing up. And it came up to a time about three years into it, three years after we did where we were at a juncture where we were either going to keep the building, but we had to come up with a certain amount of money to keep the building, several, several millions, millions of dollars. And we had already stretched out on some other areas at the time. And when we prayed, we had sense, you're not supposed to finance because we just didn't go into any debt. We didn't, there wasn't, we believed that we weren't supposed to do that, okay? So, so we got up to a thing, and they said, if you don't have several million dollars, whatever, I can't remember exactly what it was, if you don't have several million dollars by, you know, by three Tuesdays from now, then you're going to have to, um, you know, sell the building or give the building and, and do that. Well, we had already fought for that building big time, 
And we knew that building was for the kingdom. We prayed, we fasted, we took time to seek the Lord, and we prayed that the money would come in, and guess what happened? Didn't come in. And we got down to the day, didn't come in. And I remember walking into that meeting, and it was sort of like, you know, you have your head down like, Lord, what happened? We believed. Well, we ended up surrendering, or that building went over. That building went right into the hands of a Hispanic church that had an international ministry that was praying for a building. No, listen, and to this day, tears will come into my eyes because I'll see popped up on my Facebook, this ministry will pop up. This ministry is reaching because all of the area around a lot is Hispanic area. And this church has lines down the road. And I mean, I think it seats 2,500 people or something like that. And lines down, and they have multiple services and multiple salvations and baptisms coming in. And you look at it, and I remember looking at that, and afterwards we, we sat in the meeting and we said, and there was a word that came, said, did we lose the building? See, just because you might have lost the building doesn't mean God lost the building. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it wasn't your building, it's God's building. You may have prayed for it, but God wanted it in his kingdom. And I remember there being like a surrender to the Lord, like, Lord, we're going to give this over to you, and we want to thank you that all the battles we fought, all the prayers we prayed, we thought, did we miss it? Did we miss it? Did we miss it? Did we miss it? And it wasn't until some months later that we realized, no, we may have missed it, but God didn't miss it. See, we received the wisdom as we did. Let me just tell you, this is the way to get victory in your life. You have to depend on God and quit looking at the tree. Quit looking at the situation. Because the situation doesn't seem like it's changing. But let me tell you, you have to have faith. Keep your words. Keep your mouth. Keep faith in your heart. And believe that the situation will change. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.